When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, as we reported on our Monday episode, the Sabres have been off all week up until this point on Thursday night when they will be facing off against the San Jose Sharks. Had some cancellations and postponements due to the ongoing COVID-19 crisis, which continues to affect the NHL and just about every single team in the league. Sabres, of course, were not immune to this as their Saturday game ended up getting canceled. And so this is really their only game throughout an eight-day span. But they are taking on a San Jose Sharks team that is sixth in the Pacific Division with a 17-16-1 and one record for 35 points, led by leading scorer Timo Meyer, who has 35 points in 29 games. Last episode, we talked a little bit about the resurgence of Eric Carlson, who has just completely revitalized himself this year and is playing at a much more familiar pace to what we know as compared to the past couple of seasons where he was dealing with overcoming some various injury concerns that really changed who he was, a lot of which were with his legs, and so that's affecting his skating. But Carlson seems to be back. Some of the magic that was working in the Sharks' favor has definitely worn off a bit. James Reimer still has putting up decent enough numbers for them in goal, but Auden Hill has been very bad as of late. Reimer's play has certainly tapered off, which is what you would expect for somebody like him who is now in his early 30s and has been bouncing around teams and really has not been able to find a consistent starting job anywhere. So not surprising, I guess, necessarily where San Jose is at. We'll see if they'll be able to stick around in the playoff picture out in the Pacific for the wild card spot, as it seems that those uh, top three spots in the Pacific are going to be pretty much all accounted for and settled. So how are you feeling heading into this game Thursday? Do you feel like this is a particularly pivotal game or is it just another one on the schedule? Um, well, it's interesting in two ways. I think it's, I don't think it's very pivotal um, for either team, but I think, it's interesting, one, because like we mentioned on Monday show, San Jose is a terrible record in Buffalo, like a bizarrely terrible record. Yep. Uh, so that's something that like I kind of want to keep going because it's it's nonsense to me. Like, yes, at this point, San Jose isn't what they used to be, but they're better than the Sabres this year. I think that much is clear, even with uh, the Sabres having improved goaltending of late. Uh, the other thing is that uh, as we record here on Wednesday night, uh, it should start snowing like any minute. Uh, so that's. Not unusual in Western Europe, but we're supposed to get quite a bit of snow overnight and into Thursday, uh, which could make the game kind of one of those classic uh, winter games uh, where there's like no one in the stands. Like that happens about once a year where there's like not necessarily a blizzard, uh, but it's it gets like so bad that like there's like, what, six, seven thousand people there now also known as typical attendance in the 2021 2022 Buffalo Sabres. Well, exactly. That's what I mean. I'm talking, this is when they were already starting to get kind of bad the last 10 years where attendance really ticked down uh, gradually. Well, 
now their attendance is just like that in general. So what happens? Do we see like 1,500 people? Does it look at like one of those games last year where they're only letting a few hundred people in? Or does it look like a, like, like a high school sectional championship game? That might even be putting it generously. I, I honestly, I don't know. I mean, it really is all going to come down to how bad the weather ends up being. I know that they had talked about the potential of even trying to push the game back a day or something like that, but that's not really in the cards because I believe the bands play on Friday and also with the amount of postponements and rescheduling that's already going to have to happen in the league. They really can't afford to if it's not in the most dire of circumstances. And by that, I mean, really, there's like a crazy COVID outbreak that happens right before a puck drop for a team. So right. if we're talking about something with weather here and the, you know, determining factor is, oh, well, we might only have X amount of people in the stands. I don't think that that's really going to hold them back from having the game. Um, but again, no, I, it, it wouldn't make sense. Like, like no. you said, with all the cancellations, they're already going to have to deal with to be like San Jose, who is never going to be here until next year uh, so that they'd have to become way out of their way. Uh, and the fact is they're probably already here. So they're probably like, they probably made it in unless they didn't make it in. That's a problem. Or unless no, the refs I think they are, they, as we are speaking right now, I'm pretty sure San Jose is in town. Yeah. So as long as the refs get here, there's going to be a game. So I just looked real quick uh, right now. The Sabres all time are 19 and three against San Jose and Buffalo. Damn. And I think they lost their last one two years ago. So I think they're like 19 and two before that, which is kind of crazy. They average out scoring by a goal and a half a game. Uh, and overall, they're 27, 13, and four against them. That is, it's it's really strange. I would wow. say outside of the first few years of their existence, San Jose has generally been better than the Sabres. I mean, throughout the 90s, I guess it was pretty close. Slight edge to San Jose, like throughout the second half of the 90s, I should say. I was pretty close. Say, I feel like there'd probably be even more of an edge to the Sabres by that point. It's the like late 2000s, early 2010s where they really, San Jose, I feel like, overtook the Sabres yeah well they weren't very good in the early 2000s I mean they they had some guys but they weren't like a perennial playoff team in the way that they were you know when you get into oh they were they only missed the playoffs once in that stretch they missed it in 0203 I looked it up today yeah they were the Sharks started being a perennial playoff team in the mid 90s so that's why I say like because the Sabres only missed the playoffs once in the 90s uh, and the Sharks were, like I said, very bad from like 91 to 95. But once they got like Owen Nolan and a couple other guys, like they started rolling. They like they basically missed the playoffs once in like 03. And then they missed it once in like 2015. So they made they were pretty, pretty consistently playoff team. And obviously by the early 2000s, the Sabres were like bankrupt. That was a problem. But when the Sabres are good, like 05, 06, 06, 07, the Sharks were also good. And yeah. then when the Sabres were like, just pretty good after that the sharks were awesome and you know basically right up until the sabers the got really bad season. and the sharks stayed awesome <laughs> yeah until what two years ago yeah give or take yeah so it's it's wow what a weird thing because i know we have a great record against toronto here and well guess what folks toronto has sucked uh basically 80 percent of the years the sabers existed until 2017 so wow not too surprising well there you go. That's that's the that's the cold hard facts that we need to be dropping on this podcast on the daily. Yeah, but Brendan, who are we going to actually see play for the Sabers? Well, we are going to see Dylan Cousins back in action, which is pretty exciting. Happy yep. to see him back after he was out with uh, with, of course, being in COVID protocols. So it should be interesting to see how the lineup will fill out a bit more. I, I know last episode we had talked about it a bit, but it's just a shame that we're not going to be able to see this like 
pretty much next year's lineup this year. That was the one thing that I was really hoping for that. And we still might get this. Don't get me wrong. Like there's going to be more injuries. There's going to be more people going into COVID protocols. The season goes on. But what I was really, really looking forward to is getting the rare opportunity to see like 80% of the guys who are going to be on the team next year, you know, and by that, I, I mainly mean having Krebs and Paterka in the lineup still, if we were lucky enough, now Jack Quinn is back with Rochester. I mean, if, if he comes back, you know, a week or two earlier, there's a very good chance that he ends up coming up instead of Roostalainen. Um, so getting to see those guys playing with, with cousins, obviously Millsat's not in the lineup, but would love to see him there. I just, you know, with the exception of really like among the forward corps, at least with the exception of like Skinner and I guess Olafson, cause he's a couple of years older than all of those guys are like their median age. I was really, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited at the prospect of seeing all these guys on the ice together. And I'm assuming at this point that probably won't happen until maybe we get into like March or April at this rate, we'll see what happens. You know, we don't really know what Casey Middlestat's timeline is at this point. Um, it seems like they're really not going to be in a rush to be getting, you know, Krebs and, and Quinn up here or not Krebs, excuse me, Paterka and, and Quinn up here. I mean, who knows if more injuries warrant it, then obviously that's a different conversation, but I don't think that they're really chomping at the bit. I think in Krebs's case, he's kind of forcing them to, to keep him up for the time being. So I don't know. I'm excited for, you know, it's what we talked about last episode. I am excited more than seeing all of these guys individually. I'm excited at the prospect of seeing the potential combinations that they have, because looking ahead to next year, even without knowing what trades are going to happen, without knowing what guys are going to be traded or gone in effort and uh, free agency, there's a lot of intriguing line combinations that you can really get into that, you know, once you get into next year and those three guys are really, you know, between Paterka, Krebs and Quinn, and they're up full time, it's, it's going to give you options that you really have not had in quite a while where you're able to spread talent throughout the lineup. Um, you know, who knows, maybe we end up seeing someday those three playing on a line together, but I would think for the time being, as they all come up and are getting more acclimated to the NHL, the, the pace of play, the, the physicality, all of that, that they'll be split up a bit there. And so that gives you that flexibility that, you know, will we end up getting to see JJ Paterka on Dylan Cousins's wing? You know, are we going to see, uh, a line of, you know, Tage, uh, Tage, Jack Quinn and, and Jeff Skinner or something like that, or, uh, you know, Krebs, Tuck and, and Middlestat. I don't know. Like you, you could really go anywhere with it. I mean, right there in and of itself is like three lines that you could put together. That's more exciting than anything that we have seen at any point this season. So hopefully, you know, this is going to, it'll happen sooner rather than later where we'll get the, this opportunity to see some of these cool line combinations, get to see some of these guys get mixed in. Um, but I mean, it's, it remains clear that the Sabres are going to hold steady with their plan. And I think that that's the best plan of action regardless, even though I, you know, we may all be clamoring to see these guys in action together. I think that at the end of the day, the Sabres are going to stick to the plan, let themselves bottom out while letting the young guys do their developing, not try and really focus on winning games as much. And then maybe next year you start to see at least a slightly elevated version of that before you get to, um, you know, 2023, 2024, when you really try to see them like take a step and get into like a, into the playoff picture very seriously. So uh, just, just to, to be clear on, on what's going on right now, as of now, the Sabres are down six fellows, right? So it's Bryson, Oposo, Fitzgerald, uh, 
who are the other three? Now I'm thinking about it that are still out. Because Cousins is back. Yeah. Because uh, see, like Cousins is back, Jankowski's back, Gergensen's is back, Tokarski, Henestrosa, Skinner, they all are. I mean, am I right? It's still six guys, isn't it? I'm double checking right now. Yeah, it's uh, anyway, either way, it's uh, hopefully, I mean, I got it. It's Krebs, Bjork, and uh, Tuck all entered into COVID protocols. Oh, that's right. That's not good. So that sucks. Um, <laughs> yeah. So what's interesting is that the Sabres really have this game against the Sharks, and then they don't play again uh, until, I think, Monday. So it'll be like a stretch where, you know, maybe these guys aren't back tomorrow. I'm sure they won't all be back tomorrow if any of them are back. But they should all be back on Monday, theoretically. I mean, you can test out obviously after five days. There's all these, the, all the new protocols. So, so hopefully they'll be back. So hopefully they only miss this one game. But yeah, it's a, it's an interesting stretch the Sabres are in right now, uh, with having played so few uh, games over the past few weeks. Uh, they actually don't play another back to back until the 17th and 18th of January, which is the almost two weeks away. Oh, for sure. Well, I was thinking in this stretch where they're not playing back to backs. They only have like five games over two weeks or, well, even less than that. If you extend back into this past week where they've barely played, uh, they there's no reason that we can't see UPL like every game, right? I mean, is there any reason why he have, shouldn't get every start? I, I think you have to at this point. I think for the time being, while you have him up, you need to play him as much as you possibly can. He's shown, and I can't remember now, it's, uh, Jesus, who was the one who shared it? I'll try and find it while I'm talking about it, but somebody had – recently posted um, for all five of the Sabres goalies who have played this year, four or five, whatever, their goals saved above expected. And in oh. <laughs> UPL is just, UPL is in a different stratosphere than the rest of I'm the I'm sure it's not even that good either. Oh, I'm no. Sure I mean, pretty dude, fine. well, comparatively, the other guy between <laughs> Tokarski, Subban, and, and Anderson, they're all in the negative and, you know, just UPL being above zero in and of itself is like, oh my God, this is amazing. Can, what, what size chart do they need to contain Dell? I don't think that there is a chart that is worthy or, or capable of containing him. Good Lord. Nothing can stop him. Hold on here. Let me see if I could find it. Like it was like laughable. Oh yeah. It was, it was, of course it was Walt, our, our man, Sabermetrics. How, how can you ever go wrong with Sabermetrics? We love Walt on the show here. Um, all right. So here, <laughs> it, it's, it's like comical looking at this. So for goal saved above expected per 60, Aaron Dell is at the bottom of the list of minus 0.1 or minus 1.423. Subban is minus 1.404. So Wait, can we put a pause on this real quick, so, yeah. so I can explain? Because I don't know if, if, if everyone doesn't know this, because I think it's very it's a very simple. Oh yeah, concept. you should. Yeah, You'll sorry get about it. that. So basically, like, um, it the stat takes into context like what, how many shots a goalie faces and where they come from. The quality, yeah, yeah, the quality of the shot. Like if it's like five feet away or twenty feet away, that's different. And then there's a number that, based on that, how many goals would the average goalie, completely league average goalie, give up? And uh, so if you were completely zero average, zero is goal, that number. Yes. Zero is that. Uh, yes. So, uh, so you, your number on this, 
above expected is zero because you're completely average. If you're below average, it's a negative number. And if you're above average, it's a positive number. And it's basically the whole season. So Brendan, go ahead. <laughs> so again, with that context in mind, Aaron Dell, <laughs> minus 1.423. Uh, Malcolm Subban, minus 1.404. Tokarski is minus 0.297. Anderson is minus, or is neg- I should say, ne- I'm saying minus negative 0.233. And UPL is 0.310. So even just him being that ever so slightly above, <laughs> above is, is done a world of difference for this team. I mean, it's, it's insane to me that it's that much of a discrepancy, you know, like, I mean, it's not insane. It's, it's very believable. And it's of course, what was to be expected given what we all knew coming into this year with the goaltending that we, we had, but, oh man, I mean, it just really goes to show that UPL being marginally above average is significantly better than anything close to what the Sabres have gotten this year. Okay, and I just looked at the chart that Walt put up. It's per 60, uh, so basically per game. The, yeah. These goals saved above average. I So, like, normally I'm used to seeing it just straight-up goals saved above average for the season. So that, yeah, to put that in further context, this is saying that Arendelle's giving up one and a half more goals yep. than the average goalie in a single goddamn in game. A, in 60 minutes. Same thing goes for Subban and obvious. I mean, that's actually another thing. I was going to say it's a much smaller sample size, but I mean, Dell and Subban, it's got to be pretty close. Dell's only played probably a couple more games than him. I mean, Subban's played probably, what, twice. Yeah. Dell's probably hasn't played more than what, five times this year? Roughly five, yeah. Uh, Subban's played, yeah, I think like you said, twice. Goodness, though. I mean, that's just... This does Ugly. look bad on Tokarski, though. That's also it looks bad on Anderson. It does. Which tells me that the Sabres were actually playing defense pretty well under Anderson. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Uh, I wonder if we ever see him again. <laughs> um, probably not. He lost his probably. AARP card in the couch cushion. He's still trying to find it. I mean, if he loses that, he's going to have to come back. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, so I'll. Not exactly Sabres news today, but former Sabres news. Uh, Alex Nylander was traded uh, for a guy oh, whose God. name I did not really recognize. One for one Sam trade. Lafferty. Matt Lafferty, yes. Sam who's Lafferty, basically yeah. been in and out of the lineup for the Penguins. Nylander, uh, if you haven't been following, folks, uh, has not played NHL game since the bubble. Ooh, baby. Has not recorded a point since before the COVID shutdown. He... Um, after the Sabres traded him, he had 26 points in 65 games while playing in Chicago's top six, and then zero point in eight playoff games for the Blackhawks in the bubble, and then got hurt in the bubble, missed all of last year, started this year with the Rockford Icehogs, and he has 12 points in 23 games. Uh, so there's one of two ways to look at this. Like, he's done, and he's just he's circling the drain, and this is like a last-ditch attempt. The other hand, not that he'd ever come – within 10% of living up his draft billing. Uh, but you could look at it as like a, a, a decent buy low. I mean, if he was putting up 26 and 65 games with the Blackhawks two years ago, that's not good. Like, or it's not great for a top six, but it's a, a workable NHL player who could have a career. And the fact that he had to sit out that long and then, you know, with COVID shutdown and then play eight games, get hurt, and have to sit out an entire season and come back and play in the AHL. I don't know. 
I think he is a uh, prime case where it's it's almost it's in a way similar to Grigorenko, where the talent's there. Nylander has a lot of really solid raw ability. Um, you know, thinking back to when he was drafted, I mean, a big thing was just his hands and especially his shot. But at the end of the day, the problem is, and this is where it kind of ties back into Gregorenko, is that anytime you watch Nylander play, it just felt like he was so disengaged. I remember... I mean, watching him with the Sabres, it was just he could not keep up with that pace, like the NHL pace. He just didn't have it in him. He, he was not fast enough. He didn't have the foot speed or the quickness. You know, we talked about last week where there's guys who are like Peyton Krebs, where they have quick feet and they're really fast, too. But then there's guys like Reinhardt, where Sam Reinhardt has quick feet, but he's not a fast skater. Nylander didn't have either of those. And even beyond his skating ability, it came down to his just will. The, the guy just did not seem like he was engaged in games. He did not seem like he was putting in his full effort when he was out on the ice. And I don't say that from like an old school hockey mindset. Like he, he just flat out wasn't like, it, it doesn't matter whether you embrace analytics, whether you think they're bullshit, even though they're not, but like, regardless of what side of the aisle you're on, you watch this guy play hockey and you just knew that he was not giving it his all. He had the talent, you know, he had a lot of, a, a lot of the tools that you would think would make up a successful NHL player. Um, you know, we could, I know you and I both until we're blue in the face could talk about the fact that taking him in the first place, regardless of what his potential was, was idiotic, given what the Sabres needed at the time and what they should have done. And the guys who are on the board at the time, I mean, a, that, that is potentially, I, I'm not going to say his, his biggest failure, but that is in probably in Jason Botterill's top five worst failures as a GM. Was it wasn't Botterill. Or, oh, it was, it was Murray, actually. Yeah, you're yeah. right. It was right before Botterill. Same, well, whatever. For Murray. It is, it's Murray's biggest failure, it is I would say. Easy, I know. I'm thinking with Botterill because I was like, oh, God, there, there's a laundry list. Oh, there. why? Did he make another big uh, yeah, important, right. uh, whiff? No, you're right. I, you know what? And I got the tail end of saying that, and I was like, son of a bitch. I think Murray actually drafted him. All right. Well, either way. Yeah, it was also insane because Murray was like, I love my big, big guys. And then. He's like, no, none of these defensemen. I'm going to take this small forward who is the least physical guy of all time. Right. And I think what was most disappointing, too, is that with some guys, you watch them play and you just know that they don't have it, that they just can't hack it. Or if they're like a career AHL and they come up either way, you just know when you see a guy out there and they're sticking out like a sore thumb and they just don't have that extra gear. What was really frustrating with Nylander is I was at the World Juniors when they were in Buffalo and when he was on Team Sweden. And granted, I know that we're talking about a significantly reduced quality of competition, but I'll tell you, man, there were instances in that tournament when I was watching him play where he turned the burners on. And I was like, whoa, I did not know that this dude could skate like this. And he just never, it never felt like he replicated that in the NHL because he he comes into the league. And initially, I, I think that a lot of people, myself included, we're under the impression that he was the kind of guy that would play to the talent that you pair him up with. So if you're going to play him on a line with like Gergensen's and Opozo and, and like fourth liners, he's not going to do anything, but maybe he could end up being a guy that if you're playing him with a Jack Eichel, or if you're in Chicago, you're playing him with a Jonathan Taze or a, a Kirby doc or, or a Pat Kane that he'll elevate his play to match that of his line mates. And there was a couple of instances in Buffalo, at least, where you really thought that was the case. Like, I remember he had a couple of opportunities where he was getting top six minutes with guys. And I was like, okay, not what we drafted, but maybe there's something there. And then even that 
with just a little bit more time, a little bit more evidence to gather. I, he, he wasn't even that. I, I mean, I have no doubt that this dude's at the end of the road. Like, I, I don't think that he's going to be able to carve out an NHL career after, after this, if this goes south, I, which I think it will. I, I just don't think it's going to work out. Going from being an eighth overall pick and a highly touted prospect to then getting swapped for a late first rounder who had a lot of promise and you still think that this guy has promise to then it being swapped for a guy who is a, a, a regular in the bottom six and also just goes back and forth between the AHL and the NHL. I mean, that's embarrassing for him for one. And, and two, I think it's just a sign that, I mean, Pittsburgh is just trying to take a flyer and I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. I think from Pittsburgh's perspective, it's a good trade because you're taking, you know, this is a guy who has skill Lafferty, you know what he is. He's, he's not going to be anything. Lafferty is a replacement level player that you can easily find somebody to fill that void. So maybe you take a flyer on this guy, you try and do the whole spiel where you put him next to Crosby or when Malcolm comes back, maybe you put him with him and just see if he ticks or something like that. But I don't even think that that's going to happen. I think that this dude's career is, is pretty much done at this point. I think he, I think he's back in Sweden. I'm going to say two years from now. Uh, you know, normally uh, people from Pittsburgh are to be reticent to take a flyer. Um, mm. Anyway. Mm. <laughs> Thank you. So we, you talked earlier at the beginning of the episode how COVID has affected uh, pretty much every team in the league. But looking at the upcoming schedule, fingers crossed, this is going to all change again. Uh, it really looks like the only games that are postponed going forward are mostly the Canadian team games where the NHL, you know, right now the Canada isn't really allowing fans for the most part, or if they are, it's not very many fans. Mm -hmm. So the NHL is trying to move some of these games that are set in Canada away from Canada so that they can play the games later with fans, which is, feels like a dangerous game to me to postpone yeah. games that you don't have to postpone. Um, but anyway, it does feel like, like I'm looking at today, only game that's postponed is in Vancouver Thursday night. The game's postponed are in Montreal. Oh, and, and Seattle. Okay, so that's that's a real postponement. Um, Friday, no postponements. Saturday, the game is a Sabres game against Montreal. Obviously, that's not a COVID thing. Well, it is a COVID thing, but not exact. It's not a team shutdown, team outbreak. But then a Jets game, a game in Winnipeg, and a game in Ottawa, or Edmonton, excuse me. And then Sunday, oh, Sunday's got everything. Monday, the games are Canadians and Jets home games. So, like, it looks like most of the postponements are that now and not exactly the outbreaks which is good right. uh, i think it's obviously maybe we're getting past the peak of omicron at least in the nhl uh, God, I yeah, hope but anyway so. yes also another thing uh thing i was trying to figure out last night when i was watching the ducks game uh the ducks are much better than they were last year because we thought the ducks might be worse than the sabers this year they are not uh what i was looking at that kind of interested me is to try to find out if this Troy Terry business, how much of it is real? Is he a fraud? Is he a, is he a, is he a hoax? Mm. Or is he like legit good? Or is he like a mix of both? What's your I, I don't know. I mean, maybe you can help me with this. He's third in the NHL in goals I, through almost 40% of the season. I, I think that the best way to describe Troy Terry is that Prior to this year, he was playing under how good he actually is. And this year he's playing well above what he actually is. And I think that there's like a happy medium that he's eventually going to fall into where this guy is going to be 
I mean, he was a higher, he was a first round draft pick. Like he, he's, he's, he could be a good player. Wasn't what he a fifth he? round pick? No, come on. Was he really? Yeah. That's part of why I was, I, well, first it was why I was confused, but then it was like, if he was a fifth round pick, it makes more sense that he took a long time to develop. Son of a bitch. He was a fifth rounder. Why? Who am I thinking of on the, oh, you know what? Who's hold on. Hold on. Here. Are you thinking of Max Comtois? No, I'm not thinking of Matt. I'm thinking of Sam Steele, I think. Is he was he a first round pick? Oh, that makes sense, but he's not having all that great of a productive he's year. He's not. Okay, you know, yeah, he was a first, he was a late first rounder. I don't know why I was getting them confused. Um, Alliterative names. Yeah, I think that must be it. Um, well, Terry Terry is um, I believe 23 or 24. Mm-hmm. So he'd be coming into his prime, but he had 15 goals in 129 games coming into this year. Yeah. No, no, no season that he had indicated that he was good. Now, here's the thing. He shot 8.8% coming into this year. This year, he's shooting 25%. So 25%. 25% right now? Yeah. Come that on. jumps off the page. That's that's what I'm thinking. A couple things here. He has 21 goals in 35 games this year. So he has six more goals in 96 fewer games. Or 94 fewer games, sorry. So that's... Wow. I mean, that's quite... It's quite the jump, regardless of shooting wow, percentage. I did not know it was that high. Holy shit! Well, yeah, I mean, well, he had a hat trick last night. So if he's at if he's at twenty one and thirty five in thirty five games, I mean, and he's shooting what twenty five percent? You said, yeah. I mean, cut that in half. You know, uh, that's around like league average. It's still a little bit above league average, but is that? I mean, even if he shoots that, that's probably still. a a 20 goal guy. Right. I mean, so this is my conclusion. He jumped 20, from me. I don't know. He would well cut. In, so he was 21. So he'd be like a 10 goal guy and he'd be on pace for tw- or low, lowish twenties. That's what I'm saying but, over the pace of a full season. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, it, it also, uh, I think, I guess it could be that he's stepping into lineup, stepping into a real role. He's playing more than he did before. And he's playing the power play. He has six power play goals, where he has only two power play goals in 129 games before this. So that's that's another one that's uh, interesting. So I guess it's a combination of that. And the other thing is that Anaheim hasn't really had a COVID shutdown. So they've played more games than just about anyone. And maybe other guys. So he won't finish third. And maybe he just has a a surprise shooting season and he ends up with like 35 goals. So I guess in conclusion, Troy Terry is a, a land of contrasts. Very interesting. Wow. Yeah. Hey, anyway, we really... want to do this quiz? <laughs> you got a quiz? Yeah. All right. Let's run through it quick. Let's do it. All right. Remember that quiz we did basically the same quiz for both Columbus and Minnesota a couple weeks ago. Are you going to do it for San Jose now? I thought it'd be ridiculous to bring it back for San Jose. And I thought it'd be even more ridiculous to try to think of another idea when I already have a perfectly good one. <laughs> so for those that missed it, Brendan's going to guess the leading scorer. Right. Uh, every, uh, well, who everyone who's led San Jose in scoring for a season, which I'm going to be honest, is way harder than the other two. Great. 29 seasons. All right. Uh, let me see how many guys. Let's yeah. How many two. are there all together? 15. All right. I will be proud of myself if I could hit like 10 of these. I think but I, think I can. I think I can yeah. do this. All right. Um, Joe Thornton. That's correct. He did it seven times. Uh, Patrick Marlowe. That's correct. He did it three times. All right. Uh, Owen Nolan. Correct. He also did it three times. Joe Pavelski. Yep. He did it two times. 
How about Logan Couture? No. Ooh. Uh, Thomas Hurdle? Nope. Really? Yeah, cool. surprising. Brent Burns? Yes, three times. All right. How about uh, throwing it back to one of the ultimate hockey names, Jonathan Chichu? Of course. Of course. We all know the season he did it. The Chichu train. Oh, yes. The Chichu train. Um, goodness. Here's a here's a deep cut. How about Devin Setaguchi? No, no, that would that would have been cool though. Um, all right. Uh, who else would have while they were? What about uh, did Danny Heatley and his his brief stint? Nope. Damn. Okay. I mean, are any of these like obvious ones that I'm just missing right now? Well, you haven't guessed the last few years. Your most recent one is Burns. Evander Kane, right? Did yep. he last year? Yep, last year. Um, okay. Uh, Timo Meyer. Yeah, he did it two years ago and is leading this year so far. Not that this year counts, but Whoa, two years yeah. ago. Um, who the hell else has been good for them? I mean, Carlson wouldn't have. Um, is there anybody in the 2010s that I'm missing that's like kind of blatantly obvious, or is this? You're done with the 2010s shit all right um who the hell else is there how many more do i have uh let's see one two three four five six seven um is there any defensemen still no i don't think so at least um shit okay well then dan Boyle's out of the question um what about how about Vincent Dampus? Did That's a ever... good answer. No. Damn. Um, Milan Mahalik? Nope. Shit. I mean, you're missing an IHL Hall of Famer. Who played with San Jose? Yep. A current NHL Hall of Famer. God. Uh, He's not a former Hall of Famer. <laughs> well, I mean, somebody who's like, they're going to be a Hall of Famer. No, no, no. He's a Timu Hall of Salani? Famer. Yes, Timu. Wow. All right. All right. Now you're back to the early aughts. Late 90s, early aughts. Oh, uh, God. Now they're going to get tough. Why would you do this one? <laughs> God damn it. Mike Ricky. Did I say him? No, no, no. Mike Ricky. Dude, this sucks. What? Marco Strum? <laughs> Sturm? No, earlier than that. Oh my God. Who, who are, I don't know. Am I going to guess them or no? Well, I'll give you a chance on a couple of these guys. So this one guy did it twice and he did it over Olin Nolan. So let's see here. Let me give you some hints on him. Mm, he's from Meadow Lake, Canada. He's a first oh, round pick. Why didn't you say so? <laughs> uh, he, let's see, who did he play for? He got drafted by the Sharks. Came to the NHL right away. He was, he was, a, he was right in the league uh, immediately as an 18-year-old. Played with them and then played for the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim. And then played for New Jersey. Won the cup in New Jersey over the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim. Also played for Washington. Went back to the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim and then finished his career in Calgary. 
516 career points. Uh, he played for uh, the Regina Pats. Mm. Mm, 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 mm. This is a 90s guy? Yep. He got traded by San Jose in the F, well, Halfway through the 2000, 2001 I'm season. I probably am pronou- pronouncing his last name wrong. Is it um, Jeff Friesen? Friesen? It's Jeff Friesen. Yeah. Is it really? Two-time, two-time leading, the, uh, leading the team in points. He's got to be in probably like their top 10 of scoring or something. He probably is, I would assume. Wow. Uh, so another guy who you might know. Now I'm looking at it. He didn't have as many points as I thought he did. But I'll tell you why I know who he is. First of all, he was a second overall pick in the draft where Eric Lindros was taken first. Oh, okay. Really tough. This is a this is a Sidney Crosby to Bobby Ryan level fall off. Uh, um, but he, wow, he had a crazy impressive rookie year. He had 59 points as a 19-year-old and then never had that many points again. He was on San Jose for about four years, traded to Philadelphia, he was in the Philadelphia Stanley Cup finalists that lost to Detroit, then went to Ottawa and then Edmonton, and then eventually in Pittsburgh before Lemieux came back. He he was second in the Lindros year. Yep, he's from Fox Pat Warren, Balloon. Manitoba. Pat Falloon, yeah. Boom. All right. You know why I remember always Pat Falloon? You know what I remember him from? What? In the Puck Soup podcast, they have a name that tune. Um, parody game about NHL players, and it's called Name Pat Falloon. No way, really? How funny. Yeah, I don't think you're going to get any of these other guys, if I'm being honest. Tell me I'm that. I don't want to even bother. Craig Janney. Wow. Alf Dahlin. Nope. Sergey Makarov. Nope. And Kelly Kissio. Nope. Well, you got 11, and you got Damn. nine of them by yourself without any hints. I'll take that. That's, that's probably as good as I could have ever imagined. Yeah. Well, I thought you might be a, a Kissio kind of guy. No, not really. He's, he, you know, he doesn't do it for me. No, not a, a Makarov maniac. Ah, well, you know, I was back in the day, but, you know, those times have changed. Come and gone, you yeah. know. All Fair right. Enough. Well, this is great. Uh, do you have any uh, recommendations or random Sabres players that you'd like to share? Um, random Sabres player. Let's see. In the spirit of San Jose, let's talk about uh, Craig Reve. Yikes. Your boy. My boy, yes. Well, I, I will go in the even sadder spirit of San Jose. Brian Campbell, my random Sabres player. Yeah. Do I have a recommendation? Many people are saying that I don't. As I, you know what I do? Mean Streets, great, great um, entry into the early Scorsese category. Can I tell you what my recommendation is? What is that everybody wishes Taylor a happy goddamn birthday as the time of your listening this as our man, our little insurrection baby is going to be <laughs> celebrating. <laughs> gonna uh, be great. celebrating the big two, two nine, right? That's right. Oh my Lord. How do you feel Taylor in the, entering the last year of your twenties? Uh, um, uh, let's see great i got everything put together i feel complete <laughs> um i feel like i'm really have a, a good head of steam going into my 30s 
got to keep my feet moving. I know I feel like uh, no matter what happened in my 20s, at least I had fun. Amen to that, my friend. Amen to that. Well, I know I'm a day early, but happy birthday to you. I'm looking forward to celebrating with you this weekend. And everybody who's listening, make sure you wish Taylor a happy birthday as well. Uh, you know, when you're listening to this on Thursday, our, our little insurrection prince over here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, before we go, should we hear from DraftKings? Yeah, we should probably hear from DraftKings. Probably. Folks, <laughs> hockey fans, I hope you guys like this one. I think it's the last one for this. Hockey fans, hockey fans. <laughs> God damn it. That a boy. All right. Let's get this together. All right. Hope you guys like this. It's the last run through this ad. Hockey fans, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has a no-brainer offer that'll make you a winner once any shot gets past the goalie. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores. The NHL got rid of ties in 2005, so you know someone's going to light the lamp. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, no worries. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, throw down $1 on any NHL game, and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit, and $1 wager required, one per customer, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right. Well, you know what? I have a Taylor problem, and I'm going to call 1-800-TAYLOR after this. <laughs> what is your Taylor problem? <laughs> You're just too goddamn handsome. It's just not fair. Yeah. If you have a Taylor infestation at your apartment, you're going to have to, well, first of all, don't give them any four logo. <laughs> I was going to say, um, put four locos outside of your house, kind of like how you would put out like cheese to catch a mouse, but you put that on the outside. That's how you get them out of the house though, because they'll just run right after those four locos. Yeah. That's what I've been told. I've tried the, it before. Uh... I've gotten Taylor to leave my, my parents' <laughs> house growing up because I would just put, four locos sprinkled around my back porch and he'd just run out there and then I'd lock him <laughs> up and he'd sleep on the grass in the backyard. <laughs> That's true. That's a true story. Oh man. Are you drinking four locos on Saturday? No, probably not. Say, That's sad because I would be a problem on the straight up Sabres Instagram story. If that was the case. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I might, I might still be regardless. Who knows? We'll see. Yeah. But, never uh, say never. Well, happy birthday, my friend, though. Uh, very excited to be ringing it in with you, you know, this weekend and everything. And thank you all very much for listening. Uh, again, as we're now into 2022, we're very excited for all the, the things that are to come this year. We're going to have some new segments. We're going to have some new guests on, some of our old friends who we've had on before. It's going to be a great time. So we're really excited. A lot of good things to come. So make sure you're sticking with us all throughout 2022 through the end of this Sabre season and into the start of the next one. And with that being said, thank you very much to the presenters of this podcast, both the Charging Buffalo and the Hockey Podcast Network. And make sure you're checking them out on their respective streaming platforms, wherever you are on social media and their websites as well. Also make sure you're checking us out on social media and you're following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and you are subscribed or following us on your streaming platform of choice. Also, as Taylor had just said a couple moments ago, make sure you're taking advantage of DraftKings and using our promo code THPN at checkout. Everybody have a great rest of your weekend. We will talk to you all on Monday. This has been Straight Up Sabres.